wonder if we could turn in our Bibles to the Luke's Gospel, chapter 10. And we'll read from verse, verse 35. Luke's uh, Gospel, chapter 10, and reading in verse 35. And if you uh, get that, put your finger to in John 11 and John 12. Luke's Gospel, chapter 10, and reading from verse 35. And on the morrow, when he departed, he took out two pence and gave them to the host and said unto him, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. Which now of these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among thieves? And he said, He that showed mercy on him. Then said Jesus unto him, Go and do thou likewise. Now it came to pass, as they went, that he entered into a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about much serving, and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Better, therefore, that she help me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part which shall not be taken uh, away from her. And then turn over to John's Gospel, chapter 11, and uh, we'll read from verse 25. John's Gospel, chapter 11 and verse 25. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? She saith unto him, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. When she had so said, she went her way and called Mary, her sister, secretly, saying, the master is come and calleth for thee. As soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came unto him. Now Jesus was not yet come into the town that was in, but was in that place where Martha met him. The Jews then, which were with her in the house, and comforted when they saw Mary, that she arose up hastily and went out, followed her, saying, She goeth unto the grave to weep there. Then when Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. And then just turning over to the opening chapters of, or the, the opening verses, rather, of chapter 12. Then Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany where Lazarus was, which had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. There they met, made him a supper, and Martha served but Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him. Then took Mary a pound of ointment of spike and ard, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. Then saith one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which should betray him, why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? This he said, not that he cared for the poor, 
but because he was a thief and had the bag and bare what was put therein, then said Jesus, let her alone against the day of my bearing has she kept this. For the poor always ye have with you, but me ye have not always. Amen. And we know the Lord will add us blessing to the reading of his precious word. Let's just bow in a wee word of prayer, please. Our loving God and our gracious Father in heaven, we thank thee for the word of God to our souls afresh today. And we pray that even as we come to contemplate it now, that indeed, like Mary, we might come to Jesus' feet. Bless us as we seek to worship thee around thy word, for it's in Jesus' precious name that we'd ask these things. Amen. Amen. In the story uh, that we have read this morning, the first one, or actually in all of them, we find Mary at Jesus' feet. Uh, we think of how in Luke 10, the Lord had come into the house of Mary and Martha and Lazarus there in Bethany. And it was an Eastern tradition for hospitality. It still would be a very uh, strong tradition in that part of the world that when anybody came into your house or when anybody came into the community, that they would be given hospitality and it would be something that would be uh, expected that you'd give of your best. The best that you had uh, was to be given to those who were uh, under your hospitality. And the fact that Mary in Luke 10 is found at Jesus' feet is something that would have been counted as a scandal. She wasn't uh, helping her sister to get everything ready. Martha would have been right in demanding in normal circumstances that her sister help her. Uh, but the Lord said that Mary, rather than uh, doing something wrong, had chosen the better part. And here is something remarkable about Mary of Bethany that she comes to sit at Jesus' feet. And in every one of the references that we have in the Gospels to Mary of Bethany, she is always found at Jesus' feet. And something that's obviously something that the Holy Spirit would want us to pick up on. Mary loved the Savior very much, and she would come and sit at his feet very often. And it was a place of loyalty, it was a place of love, it was a place of lowliness, and it was a place of listening. It was a place of discipleship. Uh, you were a disciple. It was something, it was actually a technical term in those days when somebody sat at a person's feet. It was a sign of discipleship. You remember Paul, how that he described himself as sitting at the feet of Gamaliel. So it was actually a technical term that spoke of discipleship. But not only was it a place of discipleship, it was a place of devotion when she came to the Lord's feet. And we think of it as a place of zeal, those that came as disciples of somebody else had a real love for that person. They wanted to learn from that person. And here she comes, the one who is the captain of her salvation, the one who has done many mighty things, the one who is our saviour. And she comes in humility, she comes in lowliness, and she gets down at his feet. Now, what a wonderful position that is. And it would be good for every one of us to learn 
to sit at Jesus' feet. We live in a day of hustle and bustle. We live in a day when there are so many demands upon us with all our technological advances and all of the time-saving devices. It seems as if more and more of our time is taken up with this and with that and with the other thing. And many things are needful. Many things need to be done. But there are many things as well that we can waste our time on. And so it would be good for us in this day when we are distracted and when our lives are filled with music and with images and with all things that the world pumps at us, it would be good for us to be able to learn to sit still in Jesus' feet. And that's what I want us to learn today. And that's what I want us to do, just to take time today. Let everything else that is uh, upon your mind, everything else that would be distracting you, let everything else just fade away as we sit at Jesus' feet today and as we learn of him. And may it be our highest priority to do what Mary did, and that is to sit at Jesus' feet. But today, just I want us to look at these instances in the Gospels where Mary is sitting at Jesus' feet. And we want to learn what it is to, learn, uh, to uh, sit at Jesus' feet. We want to learn uh, something about what it was that this woman was doing as she sat at Jesus' feet. And first of all, I want you to see the pleasure that Mary enjoyed at Jesus' feet. Turn now to the first passage of Scripture that we read there, Luke chapter 10. And I want you to look at verse 39 uh, in particular, Luke 10, verse 39. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. There she is, and she's sitting amongst the hustle and bustle, and Martha's going about the business and getting the meal ready and making sure that everything is right for the Lord and making sure that he can wash his feet and all of the things that would have been done for Eastern hospitality, making sure that the table was spread and everything was right. But Mary is sitting at Jesus' feet and she's hearing his word. And I want you to see that it is a place of love and a place that she loved. Love always wants to draw us near to our loved one. We think of how when we're away from the one that we love, how uh, maybe we've traveled a long distance or gone away on holiday or a business trip or whatever it might be, um, we uh, will miss the one that we love. Amy Carmichael, the great missionary in India, uh, who came from Belial and County Down, uh, there's a, a touching incident in her life uh, when one day she was out working and she just sensed there was a child standing near her. She had a home for her children, particularly for girls, and rescued them from different situations there. But the little girl was just standing there, so Amy stretched out a welcoming hand, told her to come over, and the little girl said to Amy Carmichael, I've come. Amy Carmichael said to her, what have you come for? And she thought, well, she'd, maybe there was some trouble, 
or that she was something that she needed or wanted. There was something wrong, maybe. And she said, what have you come for? And the little girl said, just to love you. And the reason why the little girl had come was because she loved Amy and she wanted to be near her. And you can see the way that that is so. You remember the two disciples on the road to Emmaus. And we read how that the Lord uh, Jesus himself drew near. And as they walked, the Lord began to open the scriptures to them, telling about the things concerning himself in the Old Testament. And then it says that he went to go a little further. And it says, but they constrained him, abide with us. Abide with us. Don't go away. We want to be in your presence. And we think of what it says in Psalm 16 and 11. In thy presence is fullness of joy, and at thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. And if we love the Lord, then we'll want to sit at his feet. We'll want to spend time with him. Have we been spending time with him? Have we been taking time in our lives? Maybe other things have distracted us and those things have become like idols to us and they've taken us away from the Lord. But if we love him and if our love is strong, we will want to be with him and it'll be a place of joy and a place of peace and a place of fellowship as we meet with our Lord. But not only was it a place that she loved or a place of love, but it was a place where she listened. She heard his word. And we want to listen. And we not only want to be in the Lord's presence, but we want to learn from him. When we are away from someone, we'll often take the phone and we'll phone them because we want to hear their voice. And it's a friendly voice, a, fr a voice of love. And you think of what the Lord Jesus said in John chapter 10 about his sheep in verses 3 to 5. He said, The sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out, and when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. And a stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. They know, we will know the Lord's voice, and we will know the voice of strangers, and we'll not follow those voices, those voices that would lead us away from God and from the Lord, but we will want to hear his voice. And where do we hear his voice? We hear it in his word. These disciples had the wonderful privilege of hearing his voice physically. But today we hear his voice in his word as the Holy Spirit apprised the word. You think of what it was said in that day, never man speak like this man, words of authority, words of truth, words that uh, were words of wisdom, and they're still words of truth, and still words of wisdom. And you know, in this day, there are many things that would take us away, and we need to be guided, we need to be led, we need to know what's the right way to go. We need to be led of God, and we need to hear his word. And it is as we sit at Jesus' feet, as we take time to be with him, that we hear his word. So it was a place of love and a place to listen and learn, but it was also a place where she left behind the hindrances. 
In order to be at Jesus' feet, Mary had to leave behind and forget the other hindrances. Martha, it says, was cumbered or burdened about much serving. And there she was working in the kitchen, or at least at the cooking pots, and she was preparing the food and the meal and everything else. And there she was, and there was nothing wrong with that in itself. There was nothing wrong with preparing me a meal, a normal circumstance. There was everything right about what she was doing. But you know, there are things that are necessary, and there are things that maybe are things that are good and right and all the rest, but they shouldn't have priority over sitting at Jesus' feet. In normal circumstances, we would have said that Mary should have been helping her sister. But I want you to see that at times there are things, times that we lay aside what needs to be done and what normally would have a priority in order to sit at Jesus' feet. You men will know that when you're going out with your wife, and you first went out anyway, um, you left behind the needful things. And you, um, uh, there were many things maybe that had to be done, but you went, you left them behind. And the ladies too, uh, when you were going out with your husband, you, you left behind. There were things that you needed to do. But because of your love for the one, you left the things behind. They were needful things. They weren't trivial things. There were things that needed to be done, but such was your love that the priority was to be in the presence of the one that we love. Very often today we're apt to give the Lord the last moments of the day or a time when we're at the, um, very tired and very weary, and we think of how in this modern world it's filled with so much that would distract us. And one of the marks of modern day is filled with noise, filled with uh, all sorts of distractions. But how we need to get the real benefit of sitting at Jesus' feet. And sometimes, in order to do that, there, we just have to prioritize and leave behind things that may be necessary, things that may be good, things that there may be nothing wrong with, in normal circumstances. But the Bible says, the Lord said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. And while Martha was distracted or cumbered here, dri driven uh, to distraction mentally, uh, here is Mary, and she is calmly listening to Jesus' voice. He's, she's in his presence and how we need to spend that time in the presence of the Lord. Here she is, and she's listening and leaving behind the distractions and also learning. She's not uh, wor worried so much about the physical nourishment as she is as having her soul fed here. And she thinks here of the strength we, get, we eat to get strength for the journey and strength for the day ahead. But how much more do we need spiritual strength and strength to overcome the temptations? Job said, I have esteemed the words of his mouth or the words of the Lord more than my necessary food. Necessary food. 
And we think of how the great necessity today is to sit at Jesus' feet, not least because we don't often do it. And I don't know about you. I don't know whether I'm I'm making a, a comment that I shouldn't about you, but I think that we would say about each one of us that we, we do not spend enough time just sitting at Jesus' feet and learning of him and learning from his word. So we see the pleasure that Mary had at Jesus' feet. Now turn over to John chapter 11. We're going to go to the second instance and we're looking now at the problems Mary resolved at Jesus' feet. Now here again is Mary at Bethany and Lazarus at this time has uh, died and she, uh, or at least at the start of the story, he's very sick. He's uh, going to die. And in the midst of the story you see that Mary and Martha send for the Lord. They want the Lord to come and to help them. And we think of how uh, he, he uh, delays his coming here. But we notice then that the Lord does come. Look at verse 28. Mary, um, uh, and when she had so said, she went her way and called Mary, her sister, uh, secretly saying, the master is come and calleth for thee. And she say, it says in verse 29, as soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came unto him. And then in verse 32, then when Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. So once again, Mary is at Jesus' feet. She falls down at his feet. Now, I want you to see the difficulty here. The great difficulty is death has entered in. And you'll notice that the problems have come into the lives. This was a home, Mary and Martha and Lazarus. It was a place that Jesus loved and to which he would often repair. And it was a place that uh, he had loved ones. He, He loved Mary and Martha and Lazarus. And you'll see here that there is a difficulty and death has entered in. And the fact that the uh, three here are loved by the Lord Jesus doesn't mean that the difficulty does not enter in. It doesn't save them from the difficulty. And sometimes, you know, when sickness comes in or when difficulty comes in or death comes in or anxiety comes in, maybe at times we are distraught and we wonder what we should do. Now, I want you to see that uh, the Mary and Martha here, they do what's right, actually. If you look at verse 11, it says um, there, um, we read uh, in John 11, look at verse 6 rather. It says that um, they brought the thing to the Lord. And it says in verse 6, when he had heard therefore that he was sick, he abode two days still, in the same place where he was. So they had done the right thing. They had brought the problem to the Lord. But the Lord doesn't respond immediately. He abides where he is. He doesn't come. Uh, It seems as if he is deaf to their cry. They want him to come and heal their brother. 
and they want him to do something for their brother. And it seems as if when the Lord doesn't come, that this is a sense of disappointment to them, and indeed maybe even of accusation, because you'll see that when the Lord does come, the both sisters say the same thing. Look at um, verse 21, and you'll see what Martha says. It says, Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. Now, there seems to be, there may be, perhaps in that is a sense of accusation. And I think that that's underlined if you go down now to verse 32, and the first words that Mary says to the Lord, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. Lord, why did you not come? Why did you not answer our prayer immediately? Why did you not come to do a miracle and uh, to heal the sick and to be there in the midst of the difficulty? And of course, there are many times when we might feel the same. We might feel as if the Lord has not come. The Lord has not listened to our prayer. The Lord has not been there to meet us at the point of our need. And you know, that's something that is uh, very often experienced even in the life of the child of God, where it seems as if things have come in that we didn't want to come in, and it seems as maybe as if the Lord is deaf to our cries, and we see here something here of the difficulty. But then I want you to see the discovery. What was that? Well, in his own time, the Master did come. Look at the words there that were said to Mary, the master, is come and calleth for thee. And by this stage, when the Lord hadn't come, perhaps there was the thought that these we're on our own here. There's nobody there to help us. But I want you to see that when the Lord did come, I want you to see that they could see his concern. We think of verses 34 and 35. The Lord said, unto, said, where have ye led him? They said unto him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. The Bible says, he careth for you. And though at times his answer may be delayed, and though at times he may answer in his own way and at his own time, we never should in any way question the thought that he careth for for you. There may be times when it seems as if our prayers are not answered. There may be times and when it seems as if the Lord has delayed, but the Lord is there to care. He is uh, touched with the feelings of our infirmities. Hebrews 7 and 25 says, wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for us. And we think about the Lord's uh, concern here. He uh, looked uh, to, the, uh, to this lady and to these ladies, and he had a care for them. And you'll notice, too, the Lord's cry. Not only his concern, but his cry. Look at verses 41 and 42. It says, And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. I knew that thou hearest me also always because of the people which 
Stand by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. So not only does the Lord care, the Lord is interceding. And you'll notice that his intercession here is infallible intercession. He says to his father, I know that you hear me always. And while it, uh, it seems as if, while the Lord was uh, delaying, while the Lord was in the place where Martha met him, he was praying. He prays for us. He's our intercessor. He's bringing our needs to the Lord, or to the Father, at the throne of grace in prayer. He is our high priest. So while he is delaying, he is praying. We not only see the Lord's cry and concern, but look at his control. Because here is this woman, and she's kneeling at Jesus' feet, and she's going to get a real a wonderful demonstration of the power of the Lord. And what the Lord was doing here, he refused to do the lesser thing so that he could do the greater. Now, he let Lazarus die here, and he could have healed Lazarus. If he had to come, what the girls were saying here, Mary and Martha, they were saying, if, if thou hadst been here, our brother had not died. And that was absolutely true. The Lord could have come and could have healed Lazarus. He didn't need to die. But he refused to do the lesser that he might do the greater. Now, the, the uh, miracles in the book of John are called always signs. And they were signs. They were signs of something. And this is a sign of his power over death. So there was something that the Lord wanted to teach the people here through what was taking place and so he had deliberately delayed so that this lesson could be learned. But here was a great demonstration of the power and sovereignty of God. He has power even over death. And, you know, we look at the situations in our lives, and we think that it is impossible. But God is the God of the impossible today. Now, one more thing I want you to see, and that is the perceptiveness that Mary had at Jesus' feet. Now, turn over just over the chapter to John chapter 12, and this is um, a, a feast that was taking place. Really, it was a celebration of the resurrection of Lazarus. You'll see that Lazarus now is there. And if you look at verses 1 and 2, it says then, Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany where Lazarus was, which had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. There they made him a supper, and Martha served. But Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him. Now, you look at verse 3. It says, Then took Mary. What is she doing? Martha's serving again. But look at Mary. Mary. Then took Mary a pound of ointment of spike and are very costly and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. She's at the feet of Jesus again. And we think of how here she is, and she's uh, again, maybe not sitting at Jesus' feet. Well, maybe I think she actually she was because they sat in those days, but she's at the feet of Jesus. And it seems here that there is discernment 
at the feet of Jesus. Because this anointing here really was uh, something. It says that she took ointment of spikenard very costly. And it seems anointing was something that people would do for the burial. Or at least it was um, a very uh, strong sign of love. And I think that Mary here, this is six days before the Passover, when the Lord Jesus would go to Jerusalem, where he would be crucified on the cross. And I think that Mary, out of her love, because she loved the Lord so much, and when you love someone, you begin to know how they feel, you begin to know uh, something about their facial expressions and about the way that they conduct themselves, and you'll be able to read what they are thinking. And I think that Mary, in the midst of the celebration here, detects something of the heaviness that there is in the Lord Jesus. And she begins to detect, and so she does this anointing with this very costly ointment. You know, the Bible says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus and you know, when we love the Lord, we begin to think like the Lord. When we love the Lord, the things that the Lord would want and the things that the Lord is happy with, those things we begin to know sort of out of a sense of just the, the um, sense of uh, uh, something that is within our hearts. We know from our hearts just what the Lord would want us to do. And we need to have the mind of Christ. And here is this discernment at Jesus' feet. But then look at what Mary desired at Jesus' feet. She, des she desired to show her love. And she takes this alabaster box. Uh, it's ointment of spikenard. It's a very precious ointment. And we're told uh, it's a, a pound in other places. And that would have been worth about 300 pence. So this is a very costly uh, gift or a very costly sacrifice that she made. So costly, in fact, that she's criticized for it. You look at the criticism uh, that is made in verse 5. Why, Judas says, why was this uh, not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? And he wasn't concerned about the poor. He was concerned about himself because it says he was a thief. But the Lord broke shar sharply into that criticism. And he said, let her alone. Against the day of my bearing has she kept this. For the poor always ye have with you, but me ye not have not always. So here he was, and he doesn't want this criticism of her love. And I wonder, are we willing to sacrifice for Christ? Are we willing to give that which is costly to us, to Christ? People may say, well, he's fanatical. He's got uh, religion on the brain. They may criticize us for our devotion to Christ. But my, the Lord commended this woman because of her devotion and because she wanted to give to him. And you know, it will never in any way harm us to give what we can to the Lord Jesus Christ. So we notice what she discerned and what she desired.
But then look at how she was distinguished. Look at what is said of her in Mark chapter 14 and verse 9. I'll just read it here. It says, Verily I say unto you, Wheresoever this gospel shall be preached throughout the whole world, this also that she had done shall be spoken of for a memorial for her. When you throw a stone into a pool, you don't know how far the ripples will go. Even a small ripple comes smaller and smaller. But how far does it go? And certainly this seemingly small act that this woman performed has gone down in the Scriptures. And even today, we're still talking about this example of devotion to the Lord. It becomes an example to others. It becomes an example to us. And my, this is spoken of throughout the whole world, throughout history. This is something that has been spoken of. And you know what we do for the Lord? It may be a small act of devotion, but as others see our example and as others look at us, you know, we don't know how far that may go. You, you don't know how that might affect somebody else. That small word that you say, it mightn't seem much to you. And this small act here, this act of devotion, she wasn't looking for others to take notice of her. She was just doing this because she loved the Lord. And yet, this is something that becomes uh, glorified, and it glorifies the Lord here. And even the small things that we do never despise the small things, the small acts of devotion, the little things that we do for the Lord, going and sitting in the children's meeting, going and sitting on the bus, um, uh, whatever it may be, um, putting out the uh, communion, just switching on the heat, whatever, those, you may think that those are small things. But you know, the small things that we do for the Lord, my, how they can become wonderful things. The Lord is no man's debtor. He takes notice of all of those things and my, what a wonderful thing. Here's a woman who is distinguished. It seemed to be a small act. But sitting at Jesus' feet, it becomes a wonderful thing of devotion. Oh, may we learn today to sit at Jesus' feet. Let's just bow in a word of prayer and we'll just close our meeting in prayer. Our loving God, our gracious Father in heaven, we do thank Thee for the opportunity of coming to Thee in the place of prayer today. And we thank Thee for this woman who sat at Jesus' feet. And our Father, we pray that in these days we may learn to do the same, that we might be taken away from the distractions and everything that would enter in as a hindrance. And Lord, that we might love Thee with a full heart. Bless us now, separate us in Thy fear and with Thy blessing. Take us to our homes in safety and be with us. For it's in Jesus' precious name I would ask these things. Amen.